Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to be looking at the 2021 All-Star Game. And we have the starters, we have the bench, we have every uh, decision, and um, every player who has been chosen. So basically, uh, we are going to be looking at all of that, and um, basically everyone who who was chosen and some of the guys who um who did not get chosen so we are going to uh look at that um so let's uh let's get started so the first uh thing we're going to look at is the starters which that information came out uh a few days earlier which we have the two captains uh kevin durant of the east lebron of the west they have been doing the east and the west um split up um, with two uh, captains basically picking their players. And so LeBron would pick his players from the starters and then Durant and then the reserves, same thing. So they're not doing traditional East versus West. They're doing Team LeBron versus Team Durant this year. It's been Team LeBron versus Team Giannis before. So um, this year it is um, arguably the top two players in the NBA. Um who are um, starters, and they are um, going to be picking their teams. So besides um, those two, the rest of the Eastern Conference is Giannis, Bradley Beal, we have Joel Embiid, uh, and Kyrie alongside Durant for starters, and then we have in the West, Steph, Luka, LeBron, uh, Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. So... um, Deservingly so, Bradley Beal was named an all-star. He definitely deserved to be one, and I think has had a great season and could, in my opinion, be in the conversation for MVP. Um, You have Jokic, who has done so much. Basically, this whole starting lineup, East, West, these guys all are deserving of where they stand. And you could argue maybe James Harden could have been a starter, could have argued maybe Anthony Davis could have been a starter, but um, it it works, and I think it's a good situation. Then we get to our reserves, and we get to the guys who are on the bench. So looking at the Eastern Conference, you have uh, Jalen Brown, James Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Vucevic. And for the West, we have Anthony Davis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, um, and Zion. So there is a little bit of um, contention with the reserves as there is every year because there is always a handful of players that deservedly should have been all-stars or maybe you think someone on this list didn't deserve to get there, but all these guys are having great years. I mean, for Zion, he's having... Just an exponentially better year than the one before. Julius Randle can't argue his success this season, and odds are he's in the running for most improved player. Zach Levine's been doing great. Chris Paul, as always, is done uh, great. Uh, you have Tatum, who was an all-star last year, and now Jalen Brown is an all-star this year, um, which is um, well-deserved. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is an all-star. So you have um, a pretty solid group of guys here who made this list and you could argue some of them didn't deserve it uh, you could argue that they all deserved it um 
but you know I think that's um, up for interpretation now there are always snubs um, as I mentioned some people think other players should have made the list um, you know I think uh, Devin Booker is the first one because um, he is averaging a team high 24.7 points um, and honestly you know he might be younger than Chris Paul but maybe more deserving of um, that title and so maybe he should have been uh, on the list uh, then we have um, this next one which um, is uh, Mike Conley um, but this is a ringer article which is looking at the seven biggest snubs and so I don't know if Mike Conley is a snub even though the Utah Jazz are playing the best basketball um, I don't know if they're um, you know he's good enough in my opinion to make the team and I don't even think he's uh, on the level of being a snub but they put him there and that's okay then we have uh, two former all-stars Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler um, these guys are doing pretty good um, Bam Adebayo 19 points, uh, 9.5 rebounds, 5 uh, assists, 5.5 and assists. Um, and so you can't really complain with his numbers. Uh, but there are just much better players. Um, in, in Jimmy Butler's case, he's was hurt for a little while. Um, and, um, you know, Butler has missed a few of the games. So obviously he doesn't, in my opinion, deserve to be on the list if he hasn't played that much. And then we have uh, Chris Middleton who has been an all-star in prior years, um, someone who has had a lot of success um, in his career, um, and someone who you could argue could be an all-star, but um, I guess with the list here, um, they're all pretty good names. And then we have uh, DeBontis Sabonis, who is with uh, the Pacers, and I guess at this point you could argue whether Sabonis deserves this over somebody like uh, Vucevic or Julius Randle because those are both, you know, forwards that they're all in that group. And I guess it's all depending on what stats you look at and just how things look um, because um, I think Randle has just been doing amazing work and Sabonis as well. But I would probably give it to... Um, you know, Sabonis myself, but Randall's had a great season. And then the final name on their list is DeMar DeRozan, who honestly um, could have um, been an all-star, but um, I think he's a little bit older and I think is not as good as uh, some of the guys, at least for the Western Conference on this list. You have Zion, who I think is playing great basketball, and obviously Paul George uh, is well-deserving of being an All-Star, as he has been in all of his All-Star game appearances. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell is also very, very good, and so I can't uh, obviously say um, he is not deserving. And then Gobert is a defensive monster and could be any year, uh, given year defensive player of the year. So I think, um, yeah, DeRozan is not an all-star at this point he was at one point but just not um anymore especially with um so many other um players available a lot of people are getting upset that trey young was not selected to an all-star game appearance um 
And if you look at um, Trey Young compared to some of these other guys on the list, for example, um, Zach Levine, um, Trey Young's numbers just uh, pulling pulling up his numbers. Um, he is averaging at this point uh, in the season uh, 27 points, uh, four rebounds, and nine point six assists, uh, which is very good compared to uh, Zach Levine, who is averaging 28 points, uh, five rebounds, five assists. So I guess you could make the argument that um, Levine is doing slightly better with points and rebounds and a little bit less with assists, but I guess it all depends on uh, the situation. Then we go to the the Celtics who have uh, Tatum and Brown. And you could argue, oh, well, maybe, you know, we're not going to um, choose one of those guys. We'll choose Trey Young. Jalen Brown's averaging 25 points, 5 rebounds, and almost 4 assists. Tatum, 26-7 and 4. I do think Tatum's well-deserving of being an all-star. Jalen Brown, maybe, you could argue, um, is not. Um, but he is having a great season, and it is um, well-deserving of him making the all-star team. You could also look at... Um, Ben Simmons, um, as another player, you could say, okay, Trey Young, maybe he's better than Ben Simmons. The 76ers are the best team in basketball. Ben Simmons is only averaging 15, 8, and uh, 8 assists. So maybe you could argue, oh, Ben Simmons, eh, he's not as good. Um, maybe he's not as deserving. But um, I think also how teams play, whether that should factor or not, uh, I don't think it should, but maybe that factored a little bit into the Ben Simmons decision. So if you look at the the reserves, um, at least for the Eastern Conference, you have Jalen Brown his first year, Zach Levine his first year, Julius Randle his first year. You have um, two years of Tatum and Vucevic, and then the lone, uh, you know, the lone ninth all-star appearance for James Harden. He's the only one with more than three. On the East, go to the Western Conference. You have a lot different story. You have um, a lot of guys with experience. Uh, Zion is the only uh, one-time All-Star. You have two All-Star appearances for Donovan Mitchell, and I'm sure it won't be his last. Rudy Gobert has two All-Star game appearances, and then you have everybody else. Damian Lillard has six, um, seven for Paul George, eight for Anthony Davis, and eleven for Chris Paul, which is a lot. And he is. Uh, Chris Paul, the third player to be named an All-Star with four different franchises joining Shaquille O'Neal and Moses Malone, which is a pretty good feat. I'm pretty sure he was a Clippers, Houston, now with um, OK, well, with OKC, and he's now with Phoenix. So there's four All-Star game um, teams right there, and has just been one of the best players in basketball um, for sure, and so... Uh, I think, um, you know, they're doing good. They look good. And um, I think this group works. Um, there's always going to be contention. And there's always going to be players who didn't make it. And that's just how the game is. That's just how All-Star Game appearances go. Um, and there's nothing we can we can say about it. It's just kind of how it uh, works out. And so, in my opinion, uh, I think they did a good job with um, the choices. And... I guess we will see. Um, the All-Star Game is in March, um, and I think that's um, I think that's good. Moving on to the rumor mill, uh, 
looking at some of the NBA rumors, uh, uh, basically um, what could be available. Um, and so we're going to look at this article, which um, is from Bleacher Report. And basically what the article looks at is buying and selling latest NBA trade rumors, which um, it's going to look at some of the, the rumors out there and see if they're um, true or not. First one is Celtics looking for an upgrade, um, and it seems like um, they're not doing so hot despite having two uh, all-stars. Um, there is um, a $28.5 million trade exception. Um, I think the Celtics do need to do stuff. I think they will do stuff. This is true. Danny Ainge has mentioned his team is not doing well and has put the blame on himself. And so this is true. I think there will be something, and I think it will happen. Then we have uh, the next one, which is P.J. Tucker has um, a lot of suitors in uh, this trade deadline market. Now, I think the answer to that is true because you have a Houston team that's not really doing well. They're not planning on doing well. You have a group of teams that can always use someone like P.J. Tucker and the fact that he only makes $7.5 million it's very easy to match salaries, especially for a team that has a great group, but they have a lot of money tied down, such as a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn or a Lakers. You know, he could fit in and be that piece. He's a little old, 35, but for teams that don't have the money to go out and get a big-time, you know, addition, he is someone who can probably be a better cost option, and maybe he can get you a couple seconds if you're lucky of protected first it depends on what the market is and so i think um there's a lot of room and a lot of teams that could have interest and so i think this is true and that's um that's the deal then we have porzingis on the outs in dallas which um there are rumors that maybe he might get moved and um maybe he's on his way out of dallas which i actually think is uh bs in my opinion and i actually read an article somewhere and it was um i think a quote from mark cuban and he was talking about how this is all not true and so i don't think there's any truth to this i think you know maybe teams might poke poke around but i think dallas uh is gonna stick with what they got especially seeing as they traded away two uh first round picks to get him Next question, or I guess next one, is Michael Porter Jr. is the only available is only available for a superstar. Um, I think um, that's true. I think uh, Denver has no reason to move Michael Porter Jr. He's young, he's talented, he's having a great season. I don't really see why Denver would move on from Porter Jr. unless they're getting someone like a Bradley Beal or a superstar level player. So. To me, it doesn't make sense that they'd move him. I think if they needed to make moves, they could do um, someone like Gary Harris or Will Barton or even Paul Millsap to make a deal work. I don't think they're going after a big fish because I don't know if any big fish are out there. So I think this is true that they would only trade him for a superstar, so he's probably not going to get moved uh, at all. Then we have Andre Drummond drawing significant interest. Um, obviously, Toronto is the first team that is actually um, that is uh, inquired about Andre Drummond. I think significant interest, as they say, 
in the he headline might be a little bit um, a little bit um, false. I think there is interest for sure. I think his big contract is um, something that teams might not be interested in, but it isn't expiring, which makes uh, it helps out. And so I think if the right offer is there, then it's going to probably take place. I think Dallas makes a lot of sense because you have about $15 million worth of James Johnson, which is an expiring, and then they have between Max Kelber, $8 million, and Dwight Powell, $11 million. Either one of those could get moved into this deal to make the salaries match. And so uh, I think there's going to be a market for Andre Drummond, and I think he will eventually get moved at some point. Then we have Blake Griffin might be stuck. That's the headline. Um, and I think uh, that is true. I think that um, Blake Griffin is going to be in Detroit for the rest of the season because I don't see a lot of teams going out there and trading expiring contracts or even bad contracts because there's not that many for Blake Griffin. He's probably one of the worst contracts in the NBA. And maybe if Westbrook or John Wall gets moved, that could be something. But I just really don't see him getting moved at all. And, um, you know, I think that's the case. Um, so, yeah. Then we have Orlando uh, wants to keep Vucevic, which is the title of this next one. Which, um, it seems like, um, you know, a lot of uh, teams are interested or could use someone like um, Vucevic. I think Orlando, despite their situation, is not going to move him. I could see if Aaron Gordon wasn't hurt, he getting moved. Um, Mo Bamba might have to get moved. But if you're Orlando and you want to keep someone like um, Vucevic, then Mo Bamba doesn't really fit. And so I think while one of those guys needs to get moved, it's probably going to be, or it should be Bamba. Vucevic is probably going to stay put for now um, at this point. Then we have this next one here, which is the Atlanta Hawks want a major haul for John Collins. Um, I think, um, there's going to be teams that throw out offers and maybe the offers will be enough. Maybe they won't. I think it would make a ton of sense for them to get rid of, um, John Collins because they have needs at other positions that could get filled. They have two dominant, you know, small forwards with Bogdanovich and Cam Reddish. You have two dominant power forwards with Hunter and, uh, Gallinari. You have um, Capella, who's a good center, and Ankongu, who was your draft choice. You expect him to be a key cog in your rotation. You really only have Kevin Herter, who plays shooting guard, and I guess Bogdanovich a little bit. But at this point, you could use another guy at the you know, shooting guard position, maybe a better backup point guard or something. So if you get rid of John Collins and you throw in a shooting guard, into the mix, Malik Beasley from the uh, very uh, bad um, Timberwolves, maybe, Buddy Heald, um, Zach Levine, maybe. There's guys out there you can try and go for. In terms of um, Collins, I think he has a market, and maybe the, the offers will be not what they're looking for, and so there is a chance they stay put. Um, but at this point, um, uh, you know, I think uh, they're going to stick with Collins at the power forward and let the free agency stuff go. I think it would be in their best interest to move on from him, but who knows. Then we have the final 
um, piece here, which is Daryl Morey, 76 years want to go all in, which means go for a superstar. Now, I think, um, you know, there is um, probably going to be a lot of interest in Philly to go out and get a big superstar piece. And they have all the assets needed to do so. But I don't know if one of those is out there, and I don't know if they're available. One name that has been constantly mentioned is Philadelphia native Kyle Lowry, who went to Villanova. And in my opinion, if he's available, something could get done, but I don't know if he's available. I think, um, you know, a lot of the guys that are available aren't what Philadelphia needs. And so, while I do think they'll kick the tires on something and try and see what they can do, maybe talk to Toronto about Kyle Lowry, maybe try to see about Zach Levine, maybe Bradley Beal, call the Wizards, but in the end, I think Daryl Morey might be out of luck, and he might just be kind of stuck with what he's got, because, you know, it's not the worst situation there in first place, but I would be more inclined to see the Philadelphia 76ers adding one or two bench pieces and keeping their team kind of competitive with their bench, rather than going out and trading these assets and superstar player coming to Philly. That's just my opinion of the situation because they're doing so great. Why would you want to rock the boat?